Hello, listeners. Jordan here. I just want to let you know that you can listen to Nighttime early and ad-free on Amazon Music. Include it with Prime. You are tuned to the Nighttime Podcast, focused on the fringe of Canada. Hello, listeners, and welcome back to my coverage of the Peterborough police siege of August 13th, 2022. In this episode, we're going to continue to explore one of the more bizarre moments in my recent memory. In our last episode, I used audio clips of those directly involved to present a basic narrative of what happened and how. But tonight, I'm going to do it a little bit different. Karima Saad is an Ontario-based lawyer, journalist, and activist. When she heard the self-declared Queen of Canada was planning a siege of a police station, she did what any reasonable lawyer or journalist activist would do. She grabbed her helmet, hopped on an electric scooter, and got right into the middle of it. She was one of the first people on the scene that day, and she left only when the Queen's RV did. In fact, Karima all but chased them out of there. And in this episode, she's going to tell us all about it. So let's get to it. In this episode of Nighttime, I'll be joined by Karima Sad, who will share her experiences with Romana Digilo and the Peterborough Police Siege. So let's just start with a, a basic introduction, Karima. So who are you? Well, uh, I'm a lawyer and I've taken an interest in documenting events and political rallies, things of that nature, specifically focusing on the so-called freedom movement, uh, but what really, I think, is the spread of right-wing populism. All right. And, and this interest in kind of these groups and, you know, extremist type groups that you're um, documenting and, and researching on your own, is this related to your job as a lawyer? Does it fit in any, any way or is this just a personal interest? Um, it's primarily a personal interest. Part of what drew me to this is the prevalence of legal misinformation. Mm. Um, so whether it's in terms of understanding the charter versus the Bill of Rights or sovereign citizenship, uh, you know, <laughs> things that, that misconstrue how our system works and people seem to rely on to their detriment and kind of understanding, you know, who is spreading this and to what end and why are people buying into it? And and then the, the more that I attended these rallies, um, you know, it became clear that there were themes of, of anti-government, anti-establishment, anti-rule of law, um, things that, you know, were racist in nature. Um, and uh, it's a, a weird coinciding of, of interests. Um, and I've always been fascinated by cults. Um, so all of this kind of, I find it very compelling. Mm. And I also think that, especially at the outset, the media coverage wasn't adequate or satisfactory. And in part because of the way that these groups or protesters reacted to media. Um, so I was able to find a way to get in there and just document and capture what's my perspective, one person's perspective, but I think of a value like in a historical sense and to let others know what's happening. 
And you talked about kind of the way a lot of these groups and the protests and events they hold, how they treat media. Like a, a CBC reporter isn't going to, or generally isn't going to be welcome to go in there and just kind of hang out as this stuff is happening. But in watching, you know, the videos you post on on Twitter, um, you're right in there in the thick of it. Is this like, are you, are you not scared, you know, jumping in as a, as a lawyer and probably someone they just naturally don't trust for that reason as a lawyer and as an outsider? I mean, and as a brown person, like mm -hmm. there's a lot of reasons why I mm -hmm. probably don't a belong and a woman. I, although, no, I'd say that the sort of the gender parity is uh, not fully equal, but there's a, a lot of women. Um, and in Toronto, to be fair, um, you know, it's not an entirely white demographic, mm -hmm. um, primarily, but in any event. Um, it's a good question. Uh, I, I mean, my approach to that has evolved over time. And, you know, I could get into the nitty gritty of the trajectory. But broadly speaking, um, I've just become more comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, and with the idea of making people uncomfortable and sitting with that as its own particular form of discomfort and just leaning into it. And, okay, you don't want me here. You're going to yell at me. That's fine. Um, you know, very rarely do I feel physically threatened. It's happened a few times and there's de-escalation strategies and ultimately, you know, places like I can just leave. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I'm very aware of my surroundings when, when I attend these events. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, my, my cameraman and I just go in with our iPhones and, you know, I, I'm inspired a bit by kind of wrestling culture. So the the approach that I take, I, I try to be fly on the wall, but to the extent that I'm recognized as a character because, you know, I, I go to a lot of these things, mm -hmm. um, there are other characters as well. and. You know, nothing is staged, but that's kind of the mentality that that I approach, and mm -hmm. and I find that uh, again that helps de-escalate situations. Yeah. Um, well, let's get into Queen Romana. I'm using air quotes for Queen. How, how did you learn of her? Like she must have come on your radar quite a bit over the over the pandemic as you're looking into these things. Yeah, um, I, I mean, so she she obviously emerges in the sovereign citizen uh, kind of sphere of things when i started hearing about notices of liability and these proclamations and things of, of that sort mm -hmm. um her, her name came up um i can't say that i have followed diligently uh with what she's up to um it's a little bit out there even for me um <laughs> That's a good way to put it <laughs> but yeah. you know in uh I, I spent the entire month of um well the entire the duration of the convoy slash occupation of Ottawa um, and and she came and, and was a speaker on at least two occasions um, and and those moments stand out to me as some of the eeriest mm. most unsettling parts of the convoy uh, and and so I, since then um, you know I've, I've kind of I'll keep an eye on on what she's up to and when i heard that this was happening in peterborough um you know the intention to arrest the entire police force uh i, I wasn't sure that she would actually attend um knowing that that she'd been out east um but 
thought it would be interesting to see her group in action. And you just decided you're just going to make the trip over to, you know, film it for your, like, what was your plan? Was it going to be, you know, I have an affinity interest- for, for Peterborough, um, okay. in part because, um, there was this burger joint, um, Peter burgers, um, <laughs> that evolved into kind of a merchandise shop slash extremist recruiting ground hold fast. Okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, this is it's a this is a whole other episode. Let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but in like a ten second summary, um, they uh, objected to public health orders and so had a sit in in their restaurant and then kind of ascended to this level of popularity in the freedom movement. Um, and I had beef with them, uh, so to speak, because they one of the owners kind of chased me off the property one time when I was there covering a Chris Sky rally. Um, and then, you know, followed me into a restaurant in another city to like have a, a back and forth and they were just antagonistic. Mm-hmm. Um, so like I said, wrestling characters, um, part of what I did was document them and put a, a, a focus on them. Um, and most recently their restaurant closed. Um, so, I didn't go for the last day because um, that was it was they didn't end up doing it on schedule. Um, so I was like, okay, I'll kill two birds with one stone and I'll visit Peter Burgers for my final little goodbye um, and then go see what they're doing at the police station. Interesting. Uh, well, let's get into the the Peterborough siege. So you get there. My understanding from your videos is it's you and one other person, like a camera person? Yes. Okay. So as you arrive there, you're probably unsure what to expect. What do you kind of come into? What's going on when you show up on the scene? Um, so initially, there was nobody there because um, I got we got there pretty early. Um, so just kind of roaming around Confederation Square, there was one truck with like you know, flags and an F Trudeau and whatever, and it's, it's driving around. And then eventually it, it stops and the people get out and they approach me. Um, so, you know, that they, I guess, were familiar on some level, um, but didn't really understand, you know, what I do and, and why I was there. Um, and so we were talking and, and they came from out of town um, and weren't actually super familiar the the man wasn't super familiar with romana um but the woman was so you know initially we'd started off kind of having a reasonable conversation um and then it got a bit dicey when she's like yeah but you know taxes aren't real and you know the senate said it and <laughs> so that, that was you know as we were having this conversation um you know i my cameraman called me because there was an RV that showed up and so like we realized that the queen was going to be there um and then you know people started coming in uh there were some Peter Berger slash Holfast fans who immediately recognized me (laughs) (laughs) so there was a little bit of tension there and they're like go away and I'm like no I'm staying here um this is a public area and and then the counter protester showed up Mm. um so this is, you know, the guy in the orange mask. Um, he had a sign that said "Vaccine Save Lives," um, which lasted for about five minutes before someone came and ripped it. And like he he took a lot of heat oh, um, throughout the 
the afternoon um, and then ended up using his his voice more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was completely restrained in his own actions, which, you know, I, I imagine is is very difficult. Leave me alone. Hey. Get up. Hey, please. Get up. Vaccine, save lives. Vaccine, save lives. Assault me again, you fucks. Vaccine, save lives. Hail Satan. But uh, then, you know, Frank makes his announcement. Okay, we're going to march over to the police station. Uh, everyone be peaceful, plan to be peaceful. And, you know, follow the rules of the road as we go there. Be safe. And uh, I'll go in and do the talking. And <laughs> so then this group, um, you know, starts marching uh, towards the police, which is like a block away, a block and a half away. Um, and they kind of, they congregate. And at this point, there's maybe, oh gosh, 40, 60 people, um, which is a lot of people, right? That's a lot of people. Some of them I later learned, you know, weren't there for, the queen, but also were morbidly curious mm-hmm. um, to see what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, eventually the crowd thins out. Um, but Frank, you know, again, he makes his, his second announcement. I'm going to go in. This is going to be peaceful. And then we're going to call the military after they're all arrested and they're going to come and take them away. Um, and he goes into the vestibule and the door is locked. And so he knocks on the door and nobody comes. And and then they start sort of brainstorming out loud. One person's like, well, what if we punch that guy being co- the counter protester? Then they'll come out. Mm. And someone else is like, well, does anyone know how to pick a lock? And then they're like, well, why don't we just call 911? <laughs> oh, my God. So spitballing ideas. I guess spitballing. if you're, you're going to take over a police station, it's, there's no real playbook, I guess, to go by. No, they, they certainly did not have a playbook. Um, anyway, Frank decides, let's call 911. That's a good idea. Um, and you know, the call doesn't go anywhere, obviously. Um, and for a while, like I would say at least an hour, um, maybe more, they're kind of waiting outside the police station, just milling about, like periodically knocking, he takes his megaphone, like, let us in, we need to arrest you. Um, and, and then the queen's RV pulls up, um, Mm. to the front of the police station. So she had been there earlier she still ha- she hadn't emerged um i originally thought that maybe she was going to make a speech or go on top of the rv or i don't know um not knowing her that well uh and she she didn't come out so when they pulled up in front of the police station um same deal where for maybe you know she's elusive for like 45 minutes um and then they bring her out briefly and i i guess she was doing a live stream she starts handing out snacks um, like cut up vegetables that she cut up herself, she says, um, tins of sardines, like just tins of no name sardines, um, and water bottles. And I later learned that, um, from someone else, like a Peterborough resident who was just interested and, and we sort of follow each other on Twitter. And also he was part of, you know, whole fast stuff, um, was there briefly and, and took a water bottle and they were unsealed. Um, so she's handing out unsealed water bottles, um, bizarre stuff. And I guess after snack time, um, Frank realizes that, hold on, there's other entrances and exits to this building. Um, so let's go explore that possibility. Um, he tried performing a citizen's arrest on two people in a truck, um, Mm. which didn't succeed. And then they mosey into a restricted area of the police station. 
Um, and so this is where I'm like, okay, things are, you know, not gonna necessarily end well for anyone. Um, and, and, and this, uh, this restricted area, cause I I've only seen it through like the videos and stuff that you posted. Is it kind of like almost like a gated area where maybe the police would park their vehicles or something? Like what was this area? Um, so it, it's, it's not gated, right? Like nobody climbed any fences or anything like that, as far as I'm aware. Um, but it's sort of like the police station is situated kind of on, on a corner. Um, and then there's, you know, the front entrance mm -hmm. and then sort of it, it slopes down and there's cruisers parked there. It's probably like the loading dock for, you know, if they have someone in custody, mm. um, it, there's like side entrances okay. and then kind of just around the building. And then there's another side. Um, so apparently when they have their bike auctions, you know, parts of this restricted area are unrestricted. Um, so it's not entirely sort of sensitive, mm -hmm. but nonetheless, there are signs. Yeah. Um, Either way, it's a statement to like take a crowd of people down there banging on the, like the employee entrance of a police station. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, you know, Frank talks to the door, Frank, Kind of wanders around um and then eventually and and so this part i'm i'm saying secondhand because uh i, I didn't see this um I, I came when i heard the screaming um but there's a vehicle and frank like either tries to open the door or someone opens the door and tries to like pull the guy out who wasn't in uniform but was presumably on his way in or out of the station. Um, and like things do not go well, mm -hmm. right? So immediately mm -hmm. Frank is taken down, you know, there's an officer on his back. Um, the guy recording it is like, stand down, stand down. But he's talking to the cops trying to say like, no, you can't arrest us. We're arresting you. Um, which again, uh, the, the police were not receptive to. Mm -hmm. um, and then where the, the corner I was sitting and smoking a joint actually on the front of the police station. And so this lady runs up and she's like, Frank needs your help um, to everyone who is there. And I was like, okay, this is going to be good. Yeah, <laughs> um, so I, you know, I scoot, cause I take an electric scooter to these. That's actually, I didn't mention that, but that's part of my getaway safety plan uh, usually. And <laughs> go to the back, you know, where now there's madness and chaos. Um, so this one lady, this is, you know, this stands out to me. Um, she's sitting on the ground, wailing, like screaming, like, you know, horrific, horrific. Mm -hmm. I thought she was being murdered. Um, upon reviewing the videos, like literally it's just, she's, her wrist is being held. Like it, it was totally, she was like a crisis actor almost. Um, and mm -hmm. she came from Romana's van. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm kind of curious about her situation. Um, but anyway, the, this is where the arrests take place, you know, uh, and then the, the crowd eventually sort of gets moved back onto the sidewalk, the public sidewalk. Um, and then they waited on the other side of the police station um, for, for quite some time. And, and so the van, like the RV, eventually turns the corner and is now sitting there. Um, I wasn't watching her live streams as this was happening. So I later learned that, you know, she's supposedly in touch with the U.S., military and then the spaceship has come and mm. you know this and that um did not see her emerge from the van again um oh. so she stayed inside the, the rest of the time um funny enough uh some of the local area residents who were just watching this happen 
um, happened to be former colleagues of Frank's. Yeah, um, I, I saw what I think it was you who posted the video where it's two fellas sitting on like a front step, like watching it all go down. And because yeah. a part of Frank Curtin's kind of narrative or the mythology behind all this is that the company that he worked for he claims got a contract to make the bottles that hand sanitizer would go in and he in this company got the contract before covid was discovered hence it's a big pandemic um he he's frank makes no secret that he left the job as a result of all of this but you talked to some ex-employees uh, or ex-coworkers what yeah. did they, what did they say about all this they said it was bunk that yes they made containers but you know, they weren't like specifically designated for sanitizer. And in any event, you know, the like it did that, that basically they, they disputed what he was saying. You Do know, you know that, what kind of company it was? Was it like a plastic manufacturing company or something? That, that's what I understood it to be. Yeah. Like some sort of manufacturing of actual physical products. Okay. So, so these gentlemen have been watching the show from across the street. And uh, the police station is right here. You can see Romana's RV. Yeah, was a joke. Why hasn't the Queen come out and stepped in and made a proclamation of everybody's innocence? Where is the Queen? Where? Ha what happened to her security as soon as the shit went down? They disappeared like snowflakes on a summer fucking day. What a joke. And the whole thing's a joke. The guy that couldn't the main guy who got arrested actually classified our boss as a pedophile. Called him a pedophile. Our boss. I hope he sues his ass off right now. people walking by like what you know how were people reacting to this there wasn't a ton of foot traffic um but the area kind of the neighbors um were obviously like well not obviously but they seemed intrigued slash disgusted slash confused um so you know kind of what what is going on i don't think that anyone necessarily knew or expected this to happen mm -hmm. um in Peterborough, you know, it, it's no secret that there are these groups operating. Um, so I think that's part of the landscape, but I don't think, um, at least the people I spoke with were anticipating this specific event. Yeah, and, um, and how weird it is. Like you walking by, you would never get, so there's this lady who thinks she's the queen. Like it's, it would be, <laughs> I, I would walk by this and think like, oh my God, it's weird that there's an anti-mask protest happening right now. Right, right. This is so much more than that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it was neat as well, because as I was sort of live tweeting what was going on, um, people from Peterborough kind of stopped by to say hi um, on occasion. Um, so I got to meet some pretty cool people, um, which, you know, helped the time pass because after the arrests, you know, not a whole lot went down. Mm -hmm. um, it was just sitting around then waiting to see what the queen would do, um, which ended up being nothing. So uh, how, did she just eventually just drive off in the RV? Yeah. So at some point um, in the evening, um, she turns on the RV and then we go to our scooters um, and we follow it. Um, not being so familiar with Peterborough, but, you know, knowing enough um, to 
see a giant vehicle and, and go in the same direction, um, which we did. And, and so the first time it went around a complete circle. Um, and then the second time, um, same sort of direction and then pulls into an empty parking lot um, where, you know, it sat for a little bit and then pulls out and then another circle uh, and then starts like driving, like it's going to the highway, right? Um, so we're following it along these roads, probably really irritating to the driver now that I think about it to see these scooters just pop up out of nowhere. And I was in a purple shirt the entire time. Um, so, you know, in retrospect, it's kind of funny. Um, and then, you know, after another sort of going down the main, like another giant, like we're not going in anywhere, um, my scooter battery was low and I had a Twitter spaces to do. Um, so that was, that was the end of the pursuit. And I don't know where they went after that, but, uh, certainly she didn't come offer any tangible assistance or support to wow. the people who got arrested. That was, uh, <laughs> I mean, congratulations to the paparazzi, by the way, last Saturday. I mean, you were just right there from the minute you saw the RV, you know, you, <laughs> the scooter, you're just following us and you were right there. I don't think there was a moment when you were not there, you know, with your camera in front of my face and or other uh, team members. You were there from the point that it starts up until the bitter end. In total, how long did this whole thing play um, out? I would say the people gathered at around, you know, 1230 noon, uh, one o'clock, give or take. Um, and then by the time we left, uh, it was about 830 or not wow. like, yeah, by the time she was gone out of my sight was 830 p.m. Mm -hmm. And as far as the protesters or whatever we want to call them, when she left, did everyone else disperse as well? Or were there still some kind of stragglers after she I'm, I'm not really sure because I was following her and I didn't mm -hmm. go back to check the police station. Um, but there were still probably, you know, 15, 30 people um, who were still there when she left, kind of with no direction or idea what was happening. Wow. And could you sense like a change in tone or, or a change in mood? Like when Frank and the others are arrested, the queen and her staff isn't leaving the RV. The people that are sitting on the, you know, the steps or out front of the police station, like they must have felt pretty alone. Could you get a sense of, you know, how they were reacting to the, how poorly this played out for them? Um, well, there was less confidence than they had in the morning. Mm. Um, you can say that. Uh it, it was, I would say the, it, it was, it was directed towards police, um, mm. kind of those heavy negative emotions were directed towards police. Um, and kind of, yeah, she has the military on the phone. No, it's true, you know, and, and we're trying to believe or actually believing, I'm not sure. Um, but it wasn't as dramatic a change as I would have expected wow. having been abandoned by your dear leader. Mm -hmm. And now getting back to earlier in the day, you, you talked about Frank uh, Curtin making the one or two speeches leaving up, leading up to the siege. 
uh, was he like kind of coming across as the leader? Like were people kind of rallying around him during this period? Yeah, he he was he was absolutely um, sort of the one in charge, mm-hmm. um, and and kind of the point person as well between the crowd and and Romana. Mm-hmm. Um, there were a couple of others who seemed you know prominent or involved in this, but um, he was the one with the megaphone, um, and and he was the one leading the charge. Wow. Um, And as far as the mood, so there's the first uh, kind of thing in the park where he talks to everybody and then they they walk over to the police station together. Did was was it as tense as I'm imagining that? Like, did you feel like, oh, my God, like they're going to start smashing windows? Like, was it that kind of mood or how did like how did it feel during that period of time leading up? I wouldn't say it was the smash windows vibe. Um, You know, I've been in in situations where that is the sense um, and it didn't feel quite like that um, I think that they thought Frank was going to go in and say what he needed to say and it was going to happen and I, I had a conversation with Frank um, before going in like okay what do you anticipate and how are you going to get through and he's like oh the doors will be open they'll open the doors for me um, like there was no real contingency plans um, they just they thought it was going to work the way they wanted it to Wow. And at, at any point, did the police kind of talk to the crowd, like come out and say, listen, everybody, like this has gone too there, far. There was zero police presence. Zero. Hmm. None in the park. None in front of the station. No barricades. No nothing. That kind of surprises me with a crowd of that many people. But I guess if I was with the police force, I'd be thinking, like, do we want to agitate this? Um, they're in a tough position. I'm sure that that's the tactical kind of choice, right? Because if we show up, then, you know, who's the unlucky sucker who has to be the one standing outside and dealing with them? Isn't it better if we just go inside and maybe, you know, we hunger down and they'll just go away on their own? Mm -hmm. And we kind of get a glimpse of how they would react to police in the video you posted where I think your, your tweet was something like, this is about as close as they come to making an arrest, but it turns out they weren't cops or something. But anyway, it's like a truck driving and Frank and a few others approach the truck and they're looking in the windows and trying to figure out if it's police officers in the truck. And I think one of them even makes a statement that kind of comes across as about something to do with hanging them or something. Like it's a, a pretty intense kind of moment. So I guess that gives a sense of if a couple police officers in uniform stepped out of the station, you know, what kind of. There were a few among the group who were more inclined to violence than the others. Mm -hmm. So a lot of them were just sort of standing around like sheep in a field, you know, look, this is happening. Like just, but like passive. Um, And then a a small group of them um, were aggressive. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, that, that was when the counter protester initially arrived, um, that was, you know, when you sensed it the most, and he was at the police station briefly as well. Um, so, so you know, when I say that they weren't going to go break the windows, I still don't think those guys would have broken the windows. But if they had, you know, people to fight with, they might have. And yet, mysteriously, um, none of them really tangled with police, as far as I can tell. Um, um. So I don't think they had a lot of choice. You talked about you've mentioned a few times like wrestling culture. And I see the WWE logo in behind you. The police officers that that are filmed arresting Frank, 
they look like you know like professional wrestlers i don't think the people in that crowd that i saw all of them holding a phone in front of them for their faces pointing and screaming at the police i don't think there was anyone there that was really in a position to arrest any police officers who didn't want to go willingly no no i i i agree with that assessment mm -hmm. um they had neither the stamina nor the sort of physical health there was a lot of older people there um it wouldn't have gone well yeah. to try and physically fight the cops. Yeah. No, I, I know you spend a lot of time researching and covering and investigating kind of these extremist groups. A lot of them are anti-government. I think one thing these groups seem to all have in common is that they generally find a home on the Internet. And that's where they kind of, you know, form their groups and plan these events. In your videos, one thing that I found really striking was it seems like every time the we the people or Ramona's people are filmed every one of them is filming each other like they all have phones <laughs> was that just because you're filming the key moments or was the whole time you're there everyone was filming um there were like people who were recording here and there you know it also there was downtime where nothing like literally nothing was happening mm -hmm. um but you know the moment someone's like oh, i'm gonna go back to the vestibule and knock you know, there's people recording Everyone's, that. Yeah, I, I just I noticed that it, that happens certainly here in Peterborough. But anytime I see events like this, it seems everyone's on their phones. And I wonder if it's if it's the way if it's a way that they can kind of bring their strange online place into the real world. If they all have their phones out, <laughs> they're streaming, they're on Telegram as this is happening. It maybe kind of suspends the, uh, you know, the or allows kind of this illogical thing to play it, it's all reality. yeah they, it suspends reality in a way because they feel that there's this barrier between themselves and what's actually happening mm -hmm. that, that they are doing something significant and capturing it and, and, and i mean to be fair i'm out there doing the same thing mm -hmm. um just in a different way right yeah, on the so, other side kind of like yeah. a you you've probably i'm sure everyone has heard like a war photographer describe how they look through their camera and you know they're no longer there they're just capturing this moment mm -hmm. it's kind of like this twisted weird version of that where if i'm filming it and i'm live streaming it to my bizarre kind of group on telegram you know on the back pages of the internet kind of thing you know I'm, th yes. this isn't actually happening i just wonder how like when we talk about this event at the Peterborough police station, it's so easy to roll your eyes at and think like how insane this is. But at the same time, the fact remains, there's like 30, 40, 50 people there who firmly believe the American government or military or whoever is on their way. Somehow it involves aliens. The queen is in a van out front of the police station. Not to mention the fact why an international military would be interested in the the arrest of a couple of police in you know Peterborough, Ontario. That's a whole separate thing. But just the fact that there are these people like Frank Curtin that find each other on the internet and they're so committed to this that these kinds mm -hmm. of things can happen. And and I just don't think like a a police station or police force or society like how does it deal with these kind of groups? You if you follow a lot of Frank Curtin's videos and the things he's done every single person he encounters you can hear him explain his belief and them just be completely speechless at like 
what? Like they, nobody knows how to take them. And I wonder if that's why this was able to go as far as it was. And it, it very well could have turned out differently. For sure. For sure. It could have turned out differently. It could have been potentially fatal. Um, and and th thankfully it wasn't. Um, I don't think we're equipped to know how to deal with this. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, you can't really combat it with logic, right? You can't use facts because you fundamentally disagree on what's valid and real and what isn't. And so, so there's no meeting of the minds there. Um, and then if you don't share the same objective reality, how do you, how do you dialogue that, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, it's, it's relatively easy for me to go in and spend a little bit of time there and, you know, have these conversations, but the people who they encounter in their day-to-day -day lives, like that's, you know, friends, family, the grocery store clerk, whatever, um, we're just not equipped to deal with it. And we need to be, because this is an increasing segment of society, um, you know, in, in varying degrees, mm -hmm. right? Well, it doesn't take, uh, as evidenced by this, it doesn't take many people to show out up, up at a police station and try to overthrow it. Did, did you get, was there any moments at all during all of this where somebody seemed to question what was happening or was everybody for them other than the counter protester or was everybody generally appearing to be on the same page that, you know, this is going down today? I would say that a lot of people were in the same book, not necessarily on the same page. Um, so there were devotees, um, you know, who believed this. There were some who were skeptical about maybe Ramana, but in agreement with the idea that, like, you know, the police deserve to be arrested. Um, you know, then there was others who I'd say are part of the broader freedom movement, but were there because this is a curiosity and... Mm -hmm. You know, we share some things with these guys, but what the heck's going on? Um, so it, it was, you know, a, a varying sort of degrees of of belief. Okay. Now, for people who are hearing our talk and, and learning about what you're doing for the first time, how do they find you and follow your, you know, exploits and these other, you know, events like this in the future? Yeah, um, I'm most active on Twitter. So my handle is Karima Rules, C-A-R-Y-M-A-R-U-L-E-S. Um, you know, I, I also you just Google Sad Lawyer Toronto, you'll find me. Sad Lawyer Toronto. But sad is, <laughs> is, that, your, is that your last name? It is my last name. My You're last not name a has the apostrophe. You're not um, a sad lawyer because yeah, you seem very uh, happy. It depends. You know, it depends on the day. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Kareem, I appreciate you sharing this uh, bizarre experience with me. Uh, it gives a, a bit of a bit more context to you know your videos and what I've seen from watching this play out online from Nova Scotia. So I appreciate that. Thanks for having me. I want to thank you for joining Kareem and I for our discussion surrounding the Peterborough police siege. If you aren't familiar with Kareem's work, go find her on Twitter. The footage she shot of the siege is a real trip. And with that, I'm gonna put a bow on this episode of Nighttime, but before we part, I have some thanks. First, a big thanks to Karima for sharing her experiences with me and with you, the listeners of Nighttime. A shout out to Monty Data, who contributes the music to this episode, 
And lastly, but most importantly, a massive thank you to everyone who listens to Nighttime, as without your interest and your support, this show would be as pointless as it would be impossible. But with that said, keeping the show alive is and has always been an uphill battle. So if you want to help take a bit of weight off the show's back, make sure you're listening on the premium feed. And not only does the premium feed fund the creation of the show, it'll give you more of each topic than you'll find here on the free feed as I'm adding exclusive content regularly and maintain a full back catalog of past episodes only on the premium feed. So for both the price of a cup of coffee, subscribe to the premium feed at patreon.com slash nighttime podcast. And with that said, let me thank the newest subscribers, Matt, Heather, and Kalen. Thank you for your generous support. And for anyone else who'd like to support the show but can't do it financially, a great way to help out the show is by sharing this episode on social media and letting some like-minded friends know what we're doing here. If you have any story ideas, if you want to get feedback on the show, or if you'd like to contribute a voice memo to be aired and responded to in an upcoming episode, you can do all that and more at nighttimepodcast.com. I hope to hear from you. But until then, take care of each other, hug your loved ones tight, and let me know if you see anything weird. The Nighttime Podcast is written, hosted, and produced by Jordan Bonaparte.